I feel good. It's a good day in the Lord already. You know, every day is a good day. Right? Every day is a good day. Every day is the Lord's day. And we have him in our heart. We have him. He said, I'll, I'll be with you. And to the end. So whatever we're facing, he's with you. He's for you. Um, we've kind of picked up on a theme, an attitude, throughout the book of Philippians. And I was stumbling through the last week trying to remember 10% is life, 90% is our attitude. That's what I was trying to remember last Sunday. <laughs> 10% is life, things that happen to you. 90% is our attitude. So in saying that, I can't change circumstances. I can't always have control of what happens in life. And sometimes we can go through our days where we feel, what are you saying, God? Why have I earned this? What is all, all this about? Many times it's nothing to do with you. It's just because the life we live in the fallen world is because one man's sin entered into the world. Everyone has the same problem. But Jesus comes to fix and restore. I love the word transform. Transformation is something God does from the inside out. How do you know when you're transformed? You see it in people's eyes. You see it in their countenance. You see it in their, in their lifestyle. Transformation is really becoming more like who Jesus is. Being more, becoming more like Christ-likeness. Now, I would be foolish to say I've arrived because I know better. I have not arrived. If anyone has arrived, they want to talk to you. Because I want to know how you arrived. I want to see this for, for real. Though so even Apostle Paul admitted he did not arrive. He was in process. The great Apostle Paul as we know him, but there were some church folks that before his conversion, you didn't want to meet Paul. He was your enemy. He was destroying Christians for their faith. He thought he was doing God a service. He was bound by the law. He was a Pharisee who was learned by some of the best. And it was interesting, God took what he knew and used him to combat with, to come against some of the greatest learned people throughout scripture. You read the book of Acts that he stood ground with them. He was able to talk with them and reason with them, and God helped him. So Paul is writing this letter out of a prison cell. Things weren't going so good for him in the physical. Things weren't so fun and rosy. It was no fun to be in chains. It was no fun to be in a dark prison cell, probably limited water and food the smells, all that, you can just begin to imagine all the, the, the darkness.
But Paul keeps his attitude. God started something in you. I am confident. He wrote that in the first chapter. And he writes this letter to his people, the Philippians. He is confident. I'm just kind of I'm just kind of reviewing a bit of this to get us up to speed. He's always offering prayer with joy. It's one thing to pray, another thing to pray with joy. Why is why is why is he reflecting on joy? Because he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about what the Lord Jesus is doing in the hearts of the people that he's sending this letter to. And he's thanking his God continuously. Now we read, we read verse 6. I'm confident of this very thing. And he who began a good work and you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. If you have teenagers, if you have toddlers, if you have grandkids, if you have great grandkids and you're praying for them, Grab a hold of that verse 6 right there. I'm confident. What are we confident? We're confident in God. God does the saving. God does the changing. He does it better than anyone else. We are to pray. We are to reach out. We are to love. In fact, uh, we talked about it Sunday school a bit, about planting that seed, just being seed planter. Just keep giving love. Just keep encouraging. Keep pointing people to Christ. So now we get down to this outer attitude. He goes into the second chapter. He talks about Christ-like humility. Christ, he explains to how Christ himself emptied himself, coming out of heaven. You imagine stepping into a fallen world and humbling himself to the point of a cross. All along, keeping his focus, his purpose. At every knee shall bow. He knew that the day will come. But until then, he, Jesus demonstrates. You see, we don't always see our work. Our, our, we don't always see the reward. Or we don't always see the fruits of our labor. So sometimes many years go past. And last week I, I said there was a young man that visited us, came, came to visit us, came to Cross Lake with his wife. He was one of our youth persons. Back in our first church in college, we had five kids in our youth group. He was one of them, and he went on to serve the Lord. He struggled with his home. He, he grew up in the north side of Minneapolis, facing a lot of challenges, facing a lot of things. His family was, uh, was, was a mess. Uh, relationships weren't good, but he kept coming to church. He'd ride his bicycle to youth group. He'd ride his bicycle to church. He just kept coming. And we, we never know. We never know if these young people, with, you know, something we move on, we don't hear about them. We never know what a, what a treat was to visit and hear his heart. Now they're in ministry. And they're helping in their church. They're involved with helping community. They're, they, they're good. They love to hang out and do life together. And so they call it life group, life support, and they do life together. And uh, what, what, a, what, a, what a breath of fresh air it was for Carrie and I to listen and to hear and see. That him, he said to us, your love that you gave to me went full circle. And now he's giving love toward people. Hey, that's so encouraging. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't, don't stop believing. 
with God all things are possible. Now the attitude shifts into he, he, he begins to go down the second chapter. Do all things without grumbling. He talks about this attitude of doing things as unto the Lord. Uh, grumbling, that's a kind of a, that's a muttering under your breath thing. Ah, why do I have to do this? I'd rather go back to Egypt where we had, you know, some lemon, uh, meat, leeks and uh, melons and cucumbers and uh, why do we got to keep drinking? You know, why do this manna, this is stuff is just over and over. It's, listen, sometimes life can become uh, routine. And we can kind of get stuck in some ways. But you know, I know this. Jesus has living water. Jesus is living. He's the bread of life. So every day there is something we can receive fresh. My mother baked bread on a certain day of the week. Remember, Linda? And that aroma would fill the house. And it was fresh bread. You knew it was, you just, you were hungry when you smelled it. So, Jesus has fresh bread for you and I every day. Fresh, uh, something that, that will they'll satisfy, that will equip you, that will empower you, that will encourage you. Oh, enough of that bread and stuff. I don't want to get you too hungry yet. <laughs> now, Paul is in prison. The only way he can get this letter to his people is to another person. So he has Timothy in mind, but Timothy is sort of like he's not able to get there right away, but there's this other person called Epaphroditus. If you can say that three times in a row, I'll congratulate you without Epaphroditus, 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 you know what I mean? That's kind of like trying to say Espeseth, Espeseth, Espeseth. That's my last name. All through school, my teacher would say, how do you spell that? What do you, how do you pronounce that? Every, every time I go to a new grade, it was the same thing over and over again. When I got to college, they called me asbestos. <laughs> Not really, that was funny. God knows your name. He knows you. He hasn't forgotten about you. And so this is interesting. I, I, I picked up on a bit of Paul's, this is how he lived. He lived by faith. And so he writes this phrase in the second chapter, verse 23, Therefore I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. In other words, if you're a planner, great. If you plan your whole year out, great. But there's somewhere in there a little margin that says, if the Lord wills. There's almost like a saying, if things go well, if it works out. In other words, what do we do when it doesn't work out, when it's not working out? Then we take a step back and say, okay, Lord, what's the next step? And what's Paul saying, no matter what happens, I'm going to trust in the Lord. I want to be there. Verse 24. I trust in the Lord that I myself all shall be coming. But in order to cover the bases, I'm going to send to you a preparatory. In fact, he was a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, a messenger, a minister to my need. He was longing for 
all, you all, and were distressed because you had heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was sick to the point of death. In fact, this man, we don't know much about him. And almost like you say, he worked himself so hard that he was to the point of death. Or he risked his life, even though he didn't feel up to it. He pushed himself a little too hard, and he was to the point of death. But God raised him up, and that's the good thing. God is merciful. He helps us in our weakness. So now by the time we get to chapter 3, we are discussing Paul's credentials. His, he's laying out how that he has had all this training, that he's uh, been a Hebrew of Hebrews, uh, as of the law, Pharisee, a zeal, persecutor of the church. He goes on down the list, and then he says this thing. But all that doesn't matter. Everything that I've done does not matter in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. The way we can help others is to bring them to Jesus. Jesus fixes people. Jesus fixes the heart. I can tell them what you need to do. I can tell them what's the next step. But I must not overlook the first step is to come to Jesus saying, I need you. I acknowledge I need him. And so Paul gets at this thing that he has not arrived, that he is still in process. And you back up to verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. Isn't that good to know? <laughs> We're not perfect. I think that's free. At the same time, it's not a cop-out. But to realize that we're in process. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Some of us today need to put the past in the past. Let it, let it go. And even Paul is saying, all that I've learned, all that I've been taught, the main thing is this, is that I know Jesus, that I know his voice, that I sense his nearness, that I respond, I stop. Maybe I'm busy and I sense his voice. And he's calling. There's a song I can't, I can't even pronounce the, the, the title. It's an old, one of them old, old, old songs. And some of the words are this. Are you a stranger to God? 
Wow. I don't want to be a stranger to God. Throughout scripture, Jesus is calling people to himself. Whatever it takes that we might respond to him. That we might open our hearts to him. You see, when it comes down to the end of the stretch that lies before us, and the road that lies before us, it's not how much stuff I can get along the way, it's how much Jesus can be in my heart. It's how much he has me. It's not how much I even have him, but how much he has me, that he will only draw close to you. He will only come as far as you'll let him. Yes, he's working on us, but he never forces himself upon us. He's always crawling. He's always calling, inviting. He's always wooing, winning. He's always encouraging. He walks the walk. He walks the example for us. He laid down his life because there was no other way that he showed us the way in which to walk. And so what people are looking for today is show me how to follow this God you're talking about. Show me what he has. Show me what's the difference. It gets fun. And you don't have to do it. And you, your security, your peace is in the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And he knows where you are. And he loves you. And you're in a right relationship with him. In spite of not arriving, in spite of not being perfect, we can be righteous. Here's the difference. Your righteousness is found in verse uh, 9. It's like a, chap a third chapter. And may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. In other words, I can never live good enough to be righteous enough. I can never be keep the law perfectly in order to measure up to God's standard, no matter how good I think I am. And the problem can become is when I begin to rely, oh, I, I don't do that. Oh, I don't do this. And oh, I'd never do that. And I, I would, you know, we begin to begin to look to ourselves and what we've done. And we, there's a danger in that. And the fact is that we begin to take and put ourselves in a place of righteousness rather than Christ being our righteousness. Yes, we're striving to be more like Christ by the grace of God every day. But let's rest in this. This salvation is secure in Christ. Your faith in him. Your faith in what he did on the cross. Your faith that he conquered sin and death. So Paul is living with this new idea. He tried to live by the law. He went to the extreme and killed Christians. He dragged them off. He stood there as a young man, as, as uh, Stephen was stoned. One of the martyrs, early martyrs of Scripture, 
And Saul was in agreement. What happened to a man? What, what could have happened to this man to change his thinking? It was the intervention of Jesus. He came to Saul. Saul's eyes were open. How can a person think they're so right and yet be so wrong without Jesus, who is the truth? We need him every day. Oh, Lord, help my attitude to be that which is of Christ, that I'm pressing on, that I'm a process, that I'm on this road that leads to eternity and see the the real the real transformation the, the the eternal transformation will happen when Christ comes back for his church and so our real home is in heaven and he speaks to this at verse 20 and these people were under Roman Empire ruling there were folks in their town that were they were only citizens of Rome. So he speaks, verse 20, this was encouraging to them. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship, citizenship is in heaven, not here. We're not just in the world as Americans or whatever. We're here as ambassadors for Christ. What makes the difference? Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of all glory. You have the authority now in Christ's name to walk in his spirit. You have authority over the enemy that tries to push you down and destroy you. There is verse after verse that speaks to us how we, we can combat. We can help with the sword of the spirit, speak the word of God. And then it goes on this citizenship who will transform, verse 21, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he himself to subject all things to himself. Listen, every, everything's going to bow when Jesus comes. Every knee shall bow. All heaven around us, all the things that we see is going to bow down and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to bow now. I want to be in that place where I'm willing to say, oh Lord, speak it. Speak, my Lord. You remember the story in the Old Testament scripture that the lady Hannah had prayed for a, a, a son and finally the Lord answered and she brought that boy, Samuel, towards the Lord and said, I'm, she, she made a bargain with God. If you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. But Samuel grew up in the priest's home and he had just started to learn some things. And one night he had this voice. He heard Samuel, Samuel. And he's, he, get, he gets up. He's, he goes to Eli, the priest, and said, Eli, did, did you call? Did you... Did you, did you call for me? And then finally, again, it happened. And then the scripture says that Samuel, he recognizes, Eli recognized that it was the voice of God. He said, 
And so Samuel said, here I am. He said, speak, my Lord. And there was a difference. You see, Samuel knew about God until then. But Samuel knew God after that. What I'm talking about here is there's a real experience of coming to know Jesus, not just in an intellectual way, but in a personal way. I'm convinced he wants to speak to us. I'm convinced he does speak to us. I'm convinced sometimes I miss it. I'm convinced sometimes of he's training me. I'm in process. Help me to hear what your spirit is saying. Isn't it interesting that the times that we live in, there's so much confusion in our world. There's so much confusion over what's right and wrong, what's whatever uh, seems to be. Let us, folks, fix our eyes upon Jesus. It's a wonderful thing to know that Jesus is your anchor in times of storm. Jesus is a foundation. And Jesus isn't hung up, let me say this, on a lot of things that we can get hung up over. Jesus sees the person of the heart. Let us become more like Jesus. Let us see the potential in people that are struggling. Let us see the hope. Let us be a hope giver. Let us press on ourselves to know Jesus. Let us keep heaven in view. Let us re be reminded that the battle is, belongs to the Lord that I cannot change this, this problems that are in the world, but Jesus can change people's hearts. And if people's hearts are changed, then the problems can be solved. If Jesus comes to answer and to open our hearts and our eyes to see him, we're going to be changed finally someday. When the end comes, he says, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. What is that change talking about? That's talking about this physical body is going to be transformed into a spiritual body that will live forever for heaven. Wouldn't it be great? It's going to be great. greatest thing is that we're going to see Jesus as he is. We shall see him as he is. And we shall be like him. Eternal. Let us keep fixing our eyes on Jesus. There will always be enemies. There's always been opposition. It's always been a struggle. Why? As Paul described it this way, the flesh wages war against the spirit, Romans chapter 7, on into chapter 8. There's this battle 
And it often is in the mind, right in the mind, how we think. And he, the enemy wants to mess with you, discourage you, get you to stop praying, get you to stop believing, get you to stop praising him, get you to stop reaching out. And that's all the things, all the things that keep us fired up. You keep giving, you keep praying, you keep seeking, you keep rejoicing. Because he's coming to that place when he's going to say it's enough. Sound the trumpet. It's time to catch my bride. Take her home. Take her out of this world. That's good news. You talk about good news. These guys were under Roman rule. You know, they, the thumb was on. They were not in their home. They were not where they wanted to be. Listen, heaven is a wonderful place to be with Jesus, to see him face to face. Let's not be discouraged. Maybe we'll have our moments. Let's look up. Our redemption is drawing near. This Jesus speaks to this. When you see these things, what's the things? Oh, we've always had wars, but they're increasing. Tension is building. Earthquakes, you mentioned famines, pestilences. Oh, we could go on. But I'm not looking even for the Antichrist. We taught, we, the scripture describes there will be a man, of, an Antichrist, a man, a person that will take charge and deceive so many trying to be the Christ. There's only one Christ, and that's Jesus. There's only one Christ, and that's Jesus. And I'm looking for that Christ. I'm looking for the, if necessary, the scripture speaks towards heaven in 1 Peter 1, to obtain an inheritance, it speaks toward our salvation, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. When you plant flowers in this world, what happens? They're beautiful, but they fade. When you buy a new car, if you buy a new car, remember how shiny it is? Well, take a good picture. Not to discourage you, but that won't be forever. Why do I get hung up? And the scripture speaks in this passage of 1 Peter. If necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. What is he doing? What are you doing, Lord? What have I done to deserve this? What are you trying to say to me? Listen. Seek him. Trust him. Turn it over to him. Admit, I don't understand. You know, it's good just to be brutally honest with your feelings, with God. There's only, he understands. If you're angry at him, 
Let it out. Pretty soon, pretty soon, you'll begin to see. And Job had to go through so much, but he got to a breaking point. We, we, we really admire this guy, Job, who lost his family, lost his health. He got to a breaking point. He came to a breaking point. Every one of us has a breaking point. We can't take it anymore. We've had enough. Listen. Jesus paid for all. Jesus paid for every sin. 